Welcome to Go Closer, the podcast that explores spiritual transformation and what it takes to go closer to God each day. Hi, I'm Kara Whitney. I'm a wife, a mom, and an evangelist author. Hi, I'm Arnie Cole, a behaviorist and researcher for the Center for Bible Engagement that loves to study life transformation. You know, every person has a story. And today we have a story that will inspire you to go closer. This is one that hit home for me. I really connected with our next guest, Cindy Arnie. She had a lot going on in her life. I don't want to give it up yet. You have to listen to this episode. But she was really set on a path that would lead towards alcoholism, depression. I think a lot of people are going to relate to her shame that she had. Yeah, it's just a fascinating story. Once again, how life transformation can take place. Even through the darkness of her life, especially in her early years, how God can bring light into a dark situation. It's really an incredible story. And here it is, Cindy's story. We're welcoming Cindy today to our program. Arnie and I, and uh, she is in-house. She is the wife of our video producer, Jason. So welcome, Cindy. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being willing to share your story. Absolutely. I think this is the hardest thing. You know, when, when I became a Christ follower, and then, of course, Arnie over here is pushing me to write books. And, you know, I sent a book in, and they wanted it more personal. And I had this discussion with Arnie with, like, just dealing with the shame. And then also, too, if you're not a Christian and, and people who are accusatory of Christians, you're, you don't want your past to come back to haunt you. So I'm going to write these Christian books, and then all of a sudden this person's going to come out of the woodwork and say, that's not true because I know her when. you know They don't right. understand that we become a new creation, that we are transformed. Right. And this is the point of this podcast, is that transformation, and it's what Arnie is an expert in, is just behavioral things. And... Well, and, and Cindy, I was so intrigued with, with your story. I, I saw it on the video and then reading your bio stuff. You may not realize it, but you have a tremendous opportunity to help a lot of people. We did a study of why people don't attend church. And one of uh, the biggest things that keeps coming up is they don't feel worthy of coming in the door. So they purposefully hold themselves back, which I, I just found really fascinating because that's what church is all about. But there are many, many people that would love to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they're driven by shame. So thank you for coming in. Kara? We don't want to jump too far ahead. So let's just start with you were raised by married parents. Yes. Nothing crazy there. You're the youngest of four kids. Yep. Church every Sunday? Church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, Wednesday. Ah. Mm -hmm. Wow. And and would you say your parents then too, they... You did, did you have a hypocritical view, or were they actually practicing Christians? I would say my dad is a first-generation Christian, and my mom comes from a long legacy of Christians. And so I would say there was uh, maybe a little of both. I would say we definitely put our best foot forward on Sunday morning, mm -hmm. and we're not terribly different the rest of the week, but not necessarily digging into God's word every day. Are they still living? Yes. Yep. When you were eight years old, 
something happened in your life that yes. was probably the pivot point for you know a lot of things a lot yeah, of things for yeah. sure so we, are you willing so to talk yeah i have done a lot of work to be able to even just say this out loud but i was molested by um, one of my brother's friends and it was an on again off again for years i didn't recognize it as being um, molested until one day i was sitting in therapy and crying and i'm telling my therapist and she was like cindy you were molested, and I had not—I had not put that word to it. I had this kid who was, you know, four years older than me, and I, you know, and then he abandoned me and left me and like treated me like I didn't exist if I saw him anywhere else. And so, like the first relationship that I had with someone who took advantage of me and right. took something that belonged to me that I didn't know was as precious as. I now know. What did it do to your feelings of self-worth? and, and all Oh, that? I was constantly seeking that attention from then on out. And I, and I obviously, like, my adult brain knows that. My right. childhood right. brain didn't right. know that. Eight. But yeah. uh, and my teenage brain really didn't know that. But I, I had zero self-worth. I had no idea my purpose outside of my sexuality and outside of being sexualized. Like I, that's what just Were you what depressed? I, Did you? Or, yes. Yeah. I had my first major depressive episode when I was 13. And from then I've had bouts of depression since. Um, technically diagnosed clin- cyclical clinical depression. So okay. like I have uh, um, cycles there. Do you swing the other way too? I mean, do you have... Or no, you... I wish sometimes. <laughs> I know, it's more fun. <laughs> like, why can't fun. I have the mania? <laughs> no, no I'm you kidding. don't get the... I'm kidding. Yeah, I have long cycles of depression, but then I have long periods without, so that's mm-hmm. a blessing. Yeah, and your parents had no idea no. this was going on. None. Would you say, looking back, that there was signs that they could have noticed? or? I think so, but I was also the only girl, and so I was the very emotional Sure explosive child. So I, like, when I look back and now, I mean, I have five daughters now, so I would think I would recognize that in my own daughters and just their withdrawn. But, you know, this was also the 80s and it wasn't talked about nearly as much, the signs and stuff. So how'd you do in school? I was on honor roll most of the time. Mm-hmm. So your stuff didn't get in the way of academics. Well, right? I was always seeking approval and always oh, seeking okay. attention. And and I think my dad, being first-generation Christian, post-traumatic stress from Vietnam, I mean, oh, he just okay. has lots of his own sure. stuff, you know, did as best he could, but it really did not know how to relate to a daughter or sure. how to give a daughter the things she needed, I needed. So that's really hard to say. Yeah. Yeah, no. Sorry. So you graduated high school, then Mm -hmm. what? I graduated high school and I went to UNL for a semester. And that's, I was in the middle of a a depression cycle at that point and was dealing with endometriosis and the Mm -hmm. treatments of that and everything and dropped out, flunked out of UNL. And that is, that was one of the lowest. Sure. Lowest points. That is when I attempted suicide. Oh, you during attempted. That time. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Did you yes. have? Uh, you were in and out of a lot of relationships. Yes. With guys at that point. Yes. 
Did you have any close friends that were women at that time? I did, but they were party friends, so they weren't necessarily heart friends. Did you find yourself just having a connection with anyone? Was it sort of like, I'll get close enough and then push you away? Or were you just always craving that attention that you were getting when you were eight? Yeah, I was always craving the physical attention. Okay. But but mentally? I did not know how to even let anybody in. Right. Okay. And then, so, yeah. yeah. And then you met Jason when you were... 20. So you were out of depression at that point? Well, actually, I met Jason when I was 16. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I met Jason when we were, I was 16, and we were friends, and then we dated, and then we were just friends, and then we dated, and we, we, yeah, it was messy. But I have a question for you before we get into Jason, who who we all love around here. (laughs) Um, Where's the church? Okay, let's go from, let's say, 15 to. So let's say high school and then just out. Were we going to church every Sunday? I was not at that point. In high school, I still was trying to obey my parents and I was um, going to youth group. There was a lot of messy things that happened in our church at that time also that were based around sexuality. And so like there was a married youth leader that was having a relationship with one of the teens in youth group. So that's where you were talking about the hypocrisy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's where I was like. Okay. So church became less and less important. People that were Christ followers became less and less important to you. Yeah, about, I didn't yeah, I didn't that hold age. them in a, as high of regard. Yeah. yeah. And Once I learned very easily how to live a duplicitous life. I mean, I was one person on Sunday and one person every other minute of the day. I was a really really good liar. Yeah. So, so you would you say you were who you needed to be in order to gain approval yes. from whomever was in that in that moment? That is a great way to put it. Yes. And so, then compartmentalize yeah. too. So you probably didn't deal with much guilt either because everything was in a compartment. This is how you act yeah. on Sundays, then on Mondays, Tuesdays. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you're twenty. Um, you and Jason are back on. Yes. I am. Um, we were living together. Were we you were alcoholics? And I, I noticed this. We were drinking every very day. Very close. I mean, if not. You were able to work, or I mean, it yeah. didn't get in your way. No, it did not. But I saw red flags. You know, in my duplicity, I had always told my parents I uh, wasn't going to live with anyone before I was married. Well, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. And they, and then I did. And but little did they know, I had been having sex for. A while, sure. you know, yeah. and they just didn't know any of that was going on. And so my lies had started to unravel. Oh, sure. And my I could wasn't able to keep up with myself. But at the same time, it kind of felt good to come clean a little bit and to like be who like, oh, OK, well, this is just who I am, even though it didn't feel great to be who I was. Was there any confusion at that point with what? Who you thought God was. Like, what was your view of God in? Oh, I had always had this picture of God that a very removed being mm-hmm. from earth, you know, just like he was looking down and not necessarily in a relational God, not a personal relationship, not right. nothing intimate about it at all. If, if you died 
at 20. Do you think he would have gone to heaven? I think I knew who Jesus was, and I believed that Jesus was the Son of God and that he had died on the cross. I just did not think I was worthy of that sacrifice. Hmm. Yeah. Did you think maybe your purpose wasn't for that? I went through the same things. Uh This is why I find your story. Minus the molestation, but I can I can go right there. Even Arnie's saying that compartmentalizing brain, mm-hmm. where you're this one second, and then you, I could just walk away and turn it off. Yeah, you know because, and if somebody would get too close, it'd be like, well, I'll break up with him, or I'll just, and I could just walk mm-hmm. away, and yeah. it got easier, and there was no guilt there. No. it was like a self preservation. Yeah, you asked about guilt earlier, and I was like, oh. I don't ever remember feeling guilty for any of those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's well, just and then part just of the... the the living with someone where I say, yeah. I will never do that. And then you go ahead and do it. Yeah. And just what that does to you. Like now yeah. I'm lying to my, I'm letting myself down, like yeah. something I said I would never do. Right. And I think that's why it unraveled really quickly. I mean, we only lived together for about four months before mm-hmm. I was like, I, I have to go. We had, we were in living in Milwaukee and I was like, I broke up with him or we mutually, I don't know how you want to say it. I, I would say I left. I went back to Nebraska. I called my parents and I said, can I come home? They said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I packed up my car and drove home. Was I sad about it? Absolutely. Did I want to change my mind as soon as I got back to Nebraska? Yes. <laughs> right. But I knew that I needed to be not living with him. Because I think that was... That was the Holy Spirit? I do. I think my parents, because I had... Um, I mean, were you experiencing guilt for the first time? Uh, yeah, I think so. Wow. And I, um, I, my parents had really stepped up their prayer for me at that time. You know, my, my lies were unraveling and they were seeing me for who I actually was for the first time. And they were... Not that they were... They're not stupid people. They sure. knew I was deceiving them. But seeing just how deep it actually was. Um, Any drug use at this time? No. Never? Never, actually. Uh-uh. My drug of choice was alcohol. It was, yeah. That's yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, and would you get rip-roaring drunk or just functional? No, drunk? I was a sad drunk. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, then you can, I mean, yeah. then the barrier comes yeah. down. Yeah, right? I was able those to feel those feelings be, that needed yeah. to be felt that <laughs> yeah. were hard yeah. to feel right. when I was sober. Which you probably deep down wanted to feel. Yeah. Because yeah. you want to feel something. Right. Right. So now you're back with your parents. What happens at this point? Do you start to... The Holy Spirit, I mean, this makes me happy because Jesus was with you. Mm-hmm. And that's what people listening need to know. Like, well, Jesus was pursuing you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Even though you weren't pursuing him. I did fall right back into some old patterns immediately. Okay. And I wasn't drinking, but I was out seeking... Attention. Attention. Sure. And approval. And uh, met a guy, had sex with him one night, got pregnant, which pretty quickly after I moved back to Nebraska, that happened, which was a huge blessing in retrospect, because then that just, that immediately stopped. And you didn't think at this point you could become pregnant. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I'd been told that I probably would never be able to have my own children because I had endometriosis pretty significantly. And what were your feelings then when you found out you were going to have a baby? I... Take your time. Because I... I know I know this baby who's grown and he's 
He's actually in the room next door, and he works here at Back to the Bible. Well, not, not this is my daughter. This, this is, is daughter. Olivia. Okay, this is my daughter. It's Olivia. Not Simon. Simon. They have Simon has his more own kids. Just you. Just <laughs> you have one like. Of the I mean, you could fill a bus. <laughs> yeah. Which, we have what, a baseball team for sure. Yeah, you yeah. you actually do. Yeah, do. <laughs> okay, this is your daughter. This so. is my daughter Olivia. Okay. Yeah, I was. La- I felt seen by God for the first time. Yeah. Okay, I'm a dude. That makes me. That's, I know. I've, I've, I'm a guy, I've, and I have no idea what that means. That, if you can explain it, I, I know it's hard, but to me, I if, of course I'm not a lady, but I yeah. would think God, you told me I couldn't get pregnant. Now you did this. It's like how could you do this to me? But you, it's like the other. Uh, exact opposite of that. Yeah, I mean, I'd always wanted to be a mom. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. And, and I don't know if I always wanted to be a mom because I'd told, been told I couldn't be a mom. Sure. Or, um, you know, I'd filled out of university. I went to hair oh. school, really just to bide my time in order to get married and have babies. Like that's what I, I really. Okay. I never admitted that to anybody because it wasn't very socially acceptable to sure. say, like, I just want to be a mom. I don't really want to have a career. I don't want to have a, you know, I don't didn't feel like I needed to do all that. I really just wanted to be a mom. Right. Wow. So. Uh, I, I will say, like, this is where I just feel so connected to your story because the whole time you're seeking love. Mm-hmm. But then you're being pursued by love himself. Right. And you've realized it in that moment. And it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've been there. And it's like all of a sudden it just overwhelms you. Yeah. You think about, God, how how big he is. I mean, there's no word to describe. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Created multiple universes down to all the cells in and he is in that moment with you because he loves you that much. And and that's where that it gets so overwhelming. Yeah. Because he loves us each individually like that. Right. I mean, I, he was trying to stop my behavior, right? He could have done any number of things to help to stop that behavior. Yeah, besides he a baby. Yeah. You know, I mean, but he gives you a baby. Right. So, at that point, I was actually felt very empowered and very like I knew at that moment, like, this is, this is the turning point. This is the, right. I'm standing at the pivot. And it's a weird feeling to know that when you're in that moment, also to have that much awareness. But I, I. Um, What's your second chance? Yeah. You would say? Yeah. So where's your support system in this? So when I was in high school um, and just uh, just on the other side of high school, I had helped out with our youth group in church some and with the like middle school work, um, youth group. And um, the leader of that, she's always made herself available to me. And um, I don't believe in coincidences. So I know God had her call me. Right at the moment, I'm looking at the pregnancy test, and I'm, you know, yeah. and I was like, "She's like, hey, how are you doing? What's going on?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Well," <laughs> and at that point, she just 
she was is is a very godly woman and had a lot of people start praying for me unbeknownst to me at that time. And so I knew I needed to get back to church. I tried several different churches I thought maybe I would be accepted at. I went back to the church I grew up in and was not welcomed. Because was, you were pregnant and single? Yes, was asked to leave. Mm. Wow. Wow. How were your parents during this? Heartbroken. I wrote them a letter to tell them I was pregnant because I wasn't able to say it out loud. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had said in the letter, like, I don't expect anything from you. I don't expect to live with you. I don't expect you. You're not going to raise my child. You're not going to, like, I, this is on me. Do you think that was your conscious way of letting them off the hook? So if they rejected you, then you could say, okay, well, you know, I, you know, I guess, what were you afraid of? I was afraid of being abandoned. Yeah. Yeah. And were they still going to that same church? Yes. Okay. And where's Jason all this time? He's having his own struggles. And <laughs> yeah. he... Uh, he was still in Milwaukee for a while and then moved to Oklahoma, to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Ben, you're still in Lincoln. And I'm still in Lincoln, yeah. So then my daughter was born in January. We had talked a little bit on the phone. And then the first part of January of 98, well, it seems like forever ago, um, we had decided he had told his parents about the baby, and we decided we were going to try one more time. Mm. He came to visit me and and my daughter in March, and we just said, we're just going to see how this goes. It says a lot about Jason. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot to take on. It is. You know, knowing, too, that you had your struggles, and I mean, yeah. what a what a man. A man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A real man. Absolutely. So you tried it, and... Clearly, it stuck. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But what made it stick? By this point, I had been, I started going to, I'm going to back up a little bit. So my friend Jen, when she called me and I was looking at the pregnancy test, started praying for me, had other people praying for me, invited me to the church. She was no longer working for the other church and invited me to the congregation where she was, her and her husband were attending. And I was like, well, I'll try it. I know I I know I need Jesus. I know I need community. And I and I want to raise my kids in the church. Yeah. My daughter in the church. So I went. It was my birthday. And she was like, Well, let's I want to take you out to lunch for your birthday. So come to church and then we'll go out to lunch. Oh, that's sneaky. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, wow. That's a good move. <laughs> yeah. So um And sh- and this gin lady was then really who you credit for helping you through this time, but to yes. start your life transforming. Yeah, absolutely. She and had me church. over and yeah. She, yeah. And threw me a baby shower and how cool. So yeah, she's a very sweet lady. And what made the experience at church different than like was there something that stuck out where it made you feel like I'm supposed to be here, you know? Yeah, I mean, nobody looked at me um, with shame on shaming looks. Yeah. You know, um, I was just I was accepted, and I was taken in, and I was loved for who I was and not what I had done. They were just very much the hands and feet of Jesus for me at that moment. moment. I always find that so interesting with the church. You had Christians, and they they're so vocal against abortion, but yeah. then here you have a woman who's who wants this baby. And you reject her yeah. because she's unwed. 
But there's a, look, there's a baby coming. Right. So let's Fight be joyful not. because yeah. this is a soul that the Lord wants here. So, yeah. you know, it's just so contradictory. Oh, and what amazes me, the it's the older Christ followers usually that are the worst. Yeah. You know, that disgusted look. They don't have to say a word. Yeah. It's just that look. Or they see you in the grocery store and they turn. Yeah. It, it's just uh, people that should know better than anybody else. You needed Jesus and you needed life transformation. Right. It's just, it's really sad. Well, not only that, then you have this woman and then she has a desire to raise her children in the church. I, I, that was me. Like, I, I didn't think a lot about my relationship with God, or I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and I had kids, and I wanted that for them because you love your kids, you right. want, right? You want that for them. So your, uh, so your <clears throat> sneaky friend Jen gets you into church, <laughs> yeah. and you start this transformation. Yeah. What do you think it was that helped you grow closer to Jesus and all that? A lot of prayer. I, there was one very specific Sunday morning where it was very Holy Spirit-led. I don't mm-hmm. even really know how this came about other than, you know, the preaching minister always at the end asks people if they need prayer, come forward. And before I knew even what was happened, like, I felt like I was being pulled by the hand to the front. Like, I... Yeah. Really? Because I am an introvert. <laughs> yeah. And I am... Well, in your whole life... people's eyes on me. Your whole life has been creating this barrier. Right. I did not want or know how to be vulnerable in front of anyone. And I just went to the front and I said, I have got to let, I know I'm forgiven, but I don't feel forgiven. You haven't forgiven yourself. Yeah. Right. I know the God of the universe forgives me, but I am still carrying around all of this shame Mm -hmm. and all of this guilt. But like you said, this is like the first time I'd ever had that experience, felt this shame and guilt. (laughs) So I'd never had it before. And it was overwhelming to me. And I had, I had to let it go in order to move forward. And they all just put their hands on me and prayed over me. Mm. Awesome. And it was a heart-wrenching, beautiful moment and day. But Yeah. Where's Jason in all of this then? Um, I mean, obviously close because you have a lot of kids. Yes. So he moved back and we got married and praise the Lord. (laughs) 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 And... um, it's been smooth sailing ever I'm since. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you moved at one point to to be with Jason's family. Uh, yeah, this uh, was that was before. Yeah, when we were engaged. Okay. That's, yeah, and that was hard because you didn't have a support system there. Right. And, okay. The opposite of support yeah. system. But, yeah. But but. Jason knows the Lord. You know the Lord. You're not in a marriage to clean each other up. Jesus right. is doing that. Yes. And so you're growing closer together. Yes. So how are things now? You still deal, you say, with Bouse's depression, but do you feel like they're getting less and less? Or I think I have a chemical issue that sure. needs constant attention. So there's part of that. But I do know that renewing my mind and transforming my thoughts has been the key factor in. How do you go about doing that? Because there's a lot of people that struggle with depression. And I think the guilt in that is you feel like, well, and you'll have Christians that say, oh, for sure. Christians will say, oh, you shouldn't be depressed. But when you look in the Bible and you have David crying out in a cave, 
the guy's clearly depressed. Depressed. Yeah. 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 So how? What would you tell someone who's a Christ follower? How to? I, I wouldn't even say dig out of that, but just how to when you're in the when you're in the cave, where yeah. do they go from there? Well, you do what David did. You cry out to God. You lay your heart all the way out. He can handle it. He can handle every ugly thought I have, every ugly feeling I have for myself or others. He can handle it and he can take it. And what works for me is I I recite scripture to myself. I mean, that's what Jesus did when Jesus was when he was challenged, tempted, right? Yeah. Like, and I take those scriptures and I, sometimes I I'm not super. I don't have a great memory, so I I find a scripture that I love, mm-hmm. and that I and then I make it about myself, which hopefully is God honoring still. But um, I, I'm I'm making it about you know, search me, O Lord, and weed out my anxious thoughts, and like I need to know. I make it about me, and I put my name in it, and I put mm-hmm. my heart in it, and I if I come across, I had many years where I was just lived in a lot of fear. I lived in a lot of fear Jason was going to die. Because mm-hmm. he's going to leave, naturally. This is right. Your, I mean, this yeah. is my abandonment issue, right? This is what I've right. been dealing with my whole life. And so I just had to get to the point and just really, really wrestle with God. Like, you still love me even when hard things happen. Yeah. Even if he, you take Jason from me, you still love me. And it will be for your glory. If you still love me, even if this happens or that happens or... So you've worked out a lot of trust with yeah. God. I, I, That's where I was with God. Literally, he has shown up every time in my life, and mm-hmm. it's always been okay. Yeah. I found him going, Kara, don't you know me by now? Right. And it's just like, yes, I do. Yeah. You know, he can be trusted. Yeah. I mean, God, he commands the Israelites to remember, right? That's why we had, that's why he had all them do all these festivals is for mm-hmm. to remember the good things he had done. So he wants us to do the same thing that the Israelites did, right? He wants yeah. us to remember and to go back and to say, you've always been faithful. Why would you let me down now? Right. There's never been a time never been a time where I have that God has abandoned me not once not in my lowest of lows in my worst decisions has there been a time when I've felt been abandoned so he's not going to so I I take time especially in depression but I try to take time when I feel myself slipping into that to Remember to go back, read old journals, look at old pictures, remember and tell my story. Right. Tell my story again. I mean, it's so helpful to just go back and remember. I mean, because you're told you can't have kids, and every Christmas you're probably looking at a string of Christmas stockings. (laughs) Right. Yes. (laughs) Like, that's a lot of socks, Lord. Thank you. It is. So awesome. So let's talk about Jason. Jason was not a believer. No, he was not. Was he ever? No, his parents were not Christians. When I met him, I think he was reading the Quran. What? Um, uh, <laughs> kind of. And, um, um, he was trying to make himself interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's <laughs> but he just was a trick. searching. He was searching, and sure. he didn't. 
unfortunately find Jesus in me at that time <laughs> uh, when we were first dating. I mean, that had to be conflicting if you said it all, you were a Christian or right. anything about that, but yeah. you were not. I I did that. I was the opposite. My husband, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I grew up like Jason. Mm-hmm. And here's my husband and I are having sex, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I'm like, I don't get it, but... I'm having a good okay. time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I would say it's much the same on our side. So yeah. it, it, and so he didn't feel the need to be a Christian because it wasn't, didn't look a whole lot different than what. Right. My life didn't look really any different than his. Mm-hmm. So why, why does he need that? He clearly loved you and yeah. came back to you. You have a baby. It's yes. someone else's. Yes. He steps up. He's a man. He takes care of that baby. Was he a Christian at that point? God was knocking on his heart. Okay. Store very. When loudly. when you went into the church, well, so you're you're going to churches at this point. Does he decide he's coming to church with you? Yes, I kind of made him. But okay. yeah, uh, he did. So we had our little visit in March, and he came to church with me, and he was like, "There is something different about this place." He there had been to be... church with me when I was. Yeah, there like, had to be something different about you. There was, though. yeah. And when he saw them loving me, yeah, and that was attractive to him because he loved me. Yeah. Oh. Wow. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That's good. And and so, but it it took a while. I'm assuming he had some men come alongside him. Okay. From the church. From our yep. Yeah, from the church and mentor him, and then through our like. So we got re-engaged, re-engaged, we got engaged again. And through our premarital counseling, you know, I had been a believer, but I had not been baptized. And so we we're in our premarital counseling and our pastor's like, so I hear you guys both are saying you believe. Why are we not doing this? Right. And so we were like, I don't know. I guess we probably should. So we just decided to be baptized and... At that moment, that baptism just was kind of our symbol, our sign of our desire to change who we had been. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I know some people, they don't want to go up and get baptized. And I'm telling you, it'll, it'll just open you up to a lot of things, listening to God and being obedient and all that. But... So you and Jason are together, and it's all, together. It's all roses. You guys have. Um, we now have eight children. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He adopted my daughter after we've been married a year, and then we have five biological children, mm-hmm. and then we adopted two from foster care. Yeah. About five years ago. So. Yeah. So what? What's the Simon story? He's our audio engineer. So let's embarrass him with. Did, did oh. you, first of all, <clears throat> did you do Simon's hair? No, I didn't. Simon's <laughs> in a band. <laughs> no, I didn't. And I came in today, and he's just got this amazing, he looks like David Coverdale or something. <laughs> what is the name of their band? The what strange, is the name? The Strangers. Yeah, The, the Strangers. strangers. That's, yes. That's yes. good. Um, yes. Yeah, we love Simon. We do. I do, too. Yeah. Simon was born with a birth defect. I didn't know that. Yeah. I he, he was born where all of everything that should be below his diaphragm was in his chest cavity. Okay. So surgeries right away. Yeah. Well, he had surgery when he was eight days old. Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. 
to repair. There wasn't a lung there. I'm going to give you the really abbreviated version. There wasn't any lung tissue there. They said, um, he won't play for the Huskers. Mm -hmm. He won't be an Olympic swimmer, but he'll survive. You can grow new lung tissue till you're eight years old. After that, it just expands. Maybe this one will expand over to the other side. Maybe not. Maybe. But he'll be sick a lot. Mm-hmm. We said, okay, we don't care. He's alive. Like, yeah. They mm-hmm. gave him a less than 40% chance of survival. Oh, You've had babies. His APGAR score was zero. Wow, Simon. So he was gray when he was yeah. born, like that wall. We were in the NICU. He had a surgery. He came out of it fine. He... Six months after we leave the NICU, he was only there for a little over a month because he was big. He was not over nine pounds, so he was he had that on his side. We go to his first pulmonology appointment. They take an X-ray and they're like, "Oh, not that big of a deal." And we were like, "Sorry, we think it. We thought it was." <laughs> yeah. We he pulls his first X-ray and compares it to the X-ray of that day, and God had grown a whole lung in six months. Wow. Plus, Simon's got some scars. Chicks dig scars he does. in that hair. <laughs> he has a giant scar on his stomach. Yep. Wow. So. And was he healthy then? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has an inhaler that yeah. he uses, but so does Jason. So yeah. He could have had that regardless. Uh huh. So. Wow. Yeah. So the miracles of God yep. continue. And so we were. I'll tell you one more little part. That's kind of cool so we were home we were homeschoolers for a long time we're reading the bible one morning we're reading about circumcision so god had him circumcise the baby boys on eight their eighth day right why 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 the eighth day well i don't know as any good homeschooler does we google it and uh which came first who well god so on the eighth day of life a boy has 400 percent more vitamin k than on any other day of their life so vitamin K is your clotting factor, right, in your body. Oh. So there, he had to wait until he was eight days old because the surgeon that was going to do the surgery had cut his hand gardening. So we had to wait for the surgeon's hand to yeah. heal. But it was the best day of his whole life to have surgery. Why is your band's name not vitamin K? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. So, anyway, that's his. Wow. That is... So, awesome. Cindy, what prevents you from growing closer to Jesus? Myself. Yeah. My own selfish desires, my own self-centeredness. I mean, those hardwired patterns are hard to overcome. Oh, yeah, they are. Right. And For so sure. I can fall back into them very easily when I have something that sends me into back into that trauma space. The thing that prevents me the most from growing closer to God would be, it's still trust. It's... And it's letting go of myself, understanding. I mean, I even have it like tattooed to my arm. Like I am his beloved. Yeah. I have to remember that all the time. And even with it, like right in my line of sight all the time, I still forget yeah. that he loves me that much. And he can't love you anymore. He can't love you any less. Mm-hmm. He just loves you so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a self-doubter. I'm yeah. with you. You you have to make a conscious effort to not believe what your mind keeps telling you. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I think, gosh, why can't I be one of those people that just always has this joyful spirit and this heart and mind that's always centered on Jesus? And I'm like, dude, 
is that really true? I was does say, that they exist? don't exist. <laughs> does that actually exist? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm just like everybody else. Yes, you are. <laughs> well, that's why I'm so happy you came in to share your story because so many people are going to be like, man, I am Cindy. Cindy is yeah. me. You know. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me and letting me share and that God be glorified through my story because that's really what I desire is for him to be known and him to be praised for it because it was not myself. It was not anything other than him pursuing me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I I think you've, you've helped a lot of people and hopefully for those people out there, who do give those dirty looks or shake your head in disgust when someone doesn't live their life the way you think they should, just know that you become a part of the problem, not a part of their life transformation. You know, I really appreciated Cindy saying that even today, some of those old memories and things will come back and then going closer, giving suggestions on how people can overcome that or what she does to squelch those things. So I thought, what great value in today's, especially on a show called Go Closer, right? Next week, we'll be talking to Taylor. A tremendous story of taking a stand for purity. Visit GoCloser.com today for more stories of transformation and for your copy of Faith in Real Life, a powerful book that will inspire you to walk in the light, even when life gets dark. Request your copy of Faith in Real Life at GoCloser.com.